Meanwhile, 22 pages later, with your hosts, The Cap, Mike the Finance Guy, and Ralph the Tech. All right. Now, I know probably nobody noticed because of when we deliver our podcast, but we took a little bit of a break. But now we're back with um, new masks, new jokes, and more fireworks. I don't know how the hell that happened. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out how everybody got all these fucking fireworks and setting them off at midnight. <laughs> is that, by the way, before I go into the intro, is that a New York thing or is that just me? No, it's happening all over L.A. especially it's as well. Okay. Yeah. All right. And hopefully, listeners, you guys chime in and let me know if it's happening in your area. Welcome to another edition of Meanwhile, 22 Pages Labor, episode 159. I'm one of your hosts, The Cap. And with me, as always, is the man whose witty comebacks cut through like Voltron sword through a row beast. MFG, Mike, the finance guy. Get away from her, you bitch. Mommy dearest. No. <laughs> Where would that be horror and sci-fi? Hey, Mommy Dearest was pretty fucking scary. <laughs> <laughs> Only if you had wire hangers. <laughs> true, true. Any, um, any guess there, Mr. Ralph? I have no idea. Aliens with an S. Oh. The good yeah. one. Yeah. When she's got the, the go- big like uh, construction working suit on, and the, the, the queen alien comes and tries to attack her and take a... Oh, what was the girl's name? Um, what was the girl's name? I don't know, Android? Right. No, she wasn't an Android. Um, no, 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 Ripley, the, the girl that Ripley was trying to protect. Um, I oh, I can almost hear it, and it's going to hit me later on in the podcast. So when I say it out loud in the podcast, we'll know what it was. <laughs> it, won't be, it won't be Mike's Tourette's, it'll be his answer. <laughs> <laughs> and our other illustrious host wields more power than He-Man's sword and actually the entire power, um, the power of Grayskull. RT Square, Ralph the Tech. And don't you forget it. So the other day, as I was... Hacking into the Pentagon, White House, CIA, FBI, NSA, allegedly, a thought occurred to me. Nope. Yeah. Allegedly, (laughs) a thought occurred to me. Nobody has ever vanished into thick air. Huh. (laughs) It's always he vanished or she vanished into thin air. It's true. Is is there a problem with thick air? What's going on there? There's, there's, there's a part of me that actually wants to contest that because I'm like, isn't fog thick air? Well, no, the is air it? is the same. It's just got more uh, vapor in it. Well, should make it more dense, right? Thick air. Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, oh, uh, by the way, it's Newt. It just hit me. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> a Newt hit you? <laughs> well, well done, Mike. All right. Oh, and, and Ralph, by the way, when you were talking about... Um, all, all those things, the NSA, FBI, I was waiting for you to say KFC. <laughs> oh, no. I, I hacked into them allegedly a while back and got their um, secret recipes for all those, you know, those, was it seven spices, whatever, thingamajiggers? No, no, no. The secret you found out was none of, none of them were chicken. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That, yeah. That's, I mean, that's obvious. That's like child's play. Come on. Yeah, okay. All right, cool. <laughs> all right, people. Well, so- I guess we won't be sponsored by KFC now. Who oh, says we won't? Uh, Wait, how many things have how many things have you alienated us with, Mike? None. Hey, listen, Eva Mendes still calls me and says, "God damn you, Mike." <laughs> she still calls you and says, "Where's that coupon for KFC?" Wow. <laughs> damn. Okay. Okay. So today we're gonna be doing something a little bit. Di- we're gonna be doing something a little bit different in regards to you know content so that we look to review and and take a look at. Um, we've been running a little bit thin. 
So the boys and I have been discussing for a little while, what are our next plans for the next couple of shows? And one of the things that Mike and Rafa kind of been talking about is going backwards and looking at geek things that, um, that we haven't covered and that we should, that if we were around, we should cover. And then all of a sudden, one of our listeners, shout out to Jose, Jose A., suggested that we talk about a particular movie that we actually didn't cover and our show was around for it. So this episode, we will discuss the movie Ready Player One. But first, Mike is actually built like an old school arcade machine, sturdy and strong. He also makes noise like one too. <laughs> but instead of beeps and boo woo 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 woo, Mike brings you the latest in geek culture. So let's play Mike's game, the one he's good at, the one we call the quick news. And now, the quick news with Mike the Finance Guy and Ralph and Kai. I'm that video game that's sturdy strong and has no end and you cannot win. <laughs> and a really big joystick. There you go. <laughs> easy, to push your, easy to push your buttons. Sorry. <laughs> so everyone settle in because this quick news is not going to be quick. It's going to be lengthy, but all my quick news is meant to annoy somebody. And I Good. just love it. Go for Already it. angry. <laughs> it's no wonder why Alan Moore is so bitter. It's a known fan, uh, fanboy fact that Alan Moore can be a bit much, but sometimes a haggard lookalike has the right to be a diva about his works. In 2016, DC Comics integrated the Watchmen characters into its mainstream superhero world with the miniseries Rebirth. Particularly, the overly omnipotent Dr. Manhattan has been exposed as the orchestrator of 2011's New 52 fail attempt. Uh, in recent times, the blue-skinned wonder has been nothing more than a power-up for other DC characters. Wally West has gained the power of Dr. Manhattan after sitting in the Mobius chair in an ultimate universe ruled by the Batman who laughs. Uh, who, he reveals that his secret weapon is uh, known as the final Bruce Wayne, which is shown with Dr. Uh, Manhattan's hydrogen symbol on his forehead. Now, Alan Moore has repeatedly spoken out against any continuation of Watchmen. In fact, Moore was offered the rights to his creations on the condition he created a, um, a prequel or sequel for DC, which he promptly and thankfully refused. Unfortunately, this has not stopped DC from diminishing the legacy of one of history's most respected comic book works. I, I don't even know what to say because it's stuff that we already... I'm not the stuff we already know, but, you know, I think about Alan Moore and he talked about, you know, he, he, was, he wrote... Um, the Watchmen as a, as a one-off, and the fact that you know DC keeps pissing out him. Like, okay, what else is new? <laughs> oh yeah. Even though he's surly and he's he, he's you know cantankerous and he could be a little bit off. I mean, well, I guess when somebody writes writes a work and they kind of intended to be a certain way, mm -hmm. there's some kind of integrity or respect that you would that you would well, think a publisher well, would have. He he wrote and hope, but I mean, unfortunately, you're dealing with you know money. Hey. <laughs> you're dealing with money and with a big corporation. So anyhow, yeah, so that, that's, it even bothers me with what they're doing with it, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. All right, so here's another thing. Former DC Comics co-publisher Dan DiDio has released some news that would have even the zen-like Ralph the Tech ready to take up arms. Luke Zine. Yeah. In the 2005 Infinite Crisis miniseries, DiDio wanted to kill off Dick Grayson as a means to repair the fractured relationship between Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Isn't that great? I remember what? hearing about that. I remember hearing about that. All right, yeah. uh, that, 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 that was proposed, yeah. But then they ended up killing off um, what's his face instead. Um, um, uh, oh, what's the name of Super, um, Superboy now? Super Connor? Connor Kent. I'm like Superboy. No, no, oh, Connor, Connor Kent. Connor Kent. Yeah, pretty much nobody would know him. Only know Superboy as Connor Kent for the most part. Uh, so I'm, I guess I'm gonna need uh, some duct tape, 
uh, a few feet of uh, high tension electrical wire, um, some bro, 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 uh, bro, bro, some bro. chains. Why? Why do you need that? It didn't happen. Dick Grayson did not die. Well, why are you? Because and he's be, no, and he's no longer a co-publisher. So you know. Well, yeah. I just want to make sure that thought never occurs to him ever again. Once again, another, somebody else can't have on the show now. He's got lots of thoughts. In fact, uh, Didio also doesn't like Wally West. Apparently, Dan <laughs> Didio had no love for Wally West either. Uh, the former DC Comics co-publisher reported that he uh, was never his own character. According to Didio, quote, he was always going to be subservient to Barry in some way because his origin was determined by Barry. Now, as you hose at home may or may not be aware, West's origin in The Flash number 110 from January of 1960 is a direct copy of Allen's. They both get struck by lightning while being doused with multiple chemicals. West's uniform was even a copy of Allen's until he got a red and yellow outfit in The Flash number 135 back in March of 1963. So I just want to say, listen, I love Barry, but Wally was my first Flash, you know, so anyone that goes after him as well. We're gonna have some problems. Oh, I'd off him in a heartbeat. I, I was waiting for Mike to say that. I know <laughs> how dare anybody you who know. listens to the podcast know that Mike has a disdain for Wally West. Yeah, freaking idiot. So, so, <laughs> oh, I wow. barely finished high school. I'm just as good as Barry. No, you're not. So, Mike, um, <laughs> bitter much? Damn. You're gonna receive a package later. Open it slowly. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's some more news. Uh, Silver Surfer, Tarex the Tamer. Airwalker, Fire Lord, Morg the Executioner, Nova, and my personal favorite, Aunt May as Golden Oldie. <laughs> to the comic reading elite, these names instantly signify some of the heralds of Galactus. Right. Most of these heralds rebelled against their master and either disappeared into the comic book void of irrelevance or went on to fight evil across the universe. But in the new Thor series, written by Donnie Cates and Nick Klein, a universe-consuming, multiversal, cosmic entity known as Black Winter has come to our universe looking for its herald, Galactus. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. This no, revelation not only reframes Galactus's history in the Marvel Universe, but with the Devourer of Worlds now seen as subservient to the Devourer of Universes, the, empower, uh, the entire power structure within Marvel might be upset as well. Wow. Told you I had a little something for everybody. Wow. I, I'm hoping my audience out there is getting a little pissed off. <laughs> you know? You know, I'm, yeah. I'm more I'm more puzzled and curious, but yeah, yeah. some people yeah. pissed off. Is it rough? I'm sorry. Why do all villains have to be associated with like evil with black? Why can't you know it be like the bright uh, bringer of doom or some shit like that? You know, why is it always dark? Know. Black uh, winter. People, well, because we're scared of the dark. I mean, that is actually a programmed in our in our DNA actually for some odd reason. Speak for yourself. I was born in the darkness. Yeah, we are aware. It's called a vagina. Get over yourself. <laughs> <laughs> wow Alrighty <laughs> Yeah you, you, you could have beeped that too That's okay Go ahead, bro. Speaking of like. the new Thor series By Donny Cates and Nick Klein Those that were still buying comic books Back in 2014 will undoubtedly remember Marvel's original Sin storyline That divulged secrets That made no sense for consequences That made many people stop reading Marvel titles uh, but within that run, Thor dropped his hammer, Mjolnir, because he was no longer worthy. Right. His mother, Frigga, modified the hammer's um, patriarchal enchantment from he to she, and Jane Foster became the new Thor. In 2018's Thor run, Jane with, um, she threw Mjolnir into the sun, destroying the hammer and ending her life. But out of the War of the Realms saga, Mjolnir is back. But not everything is the same. 
The new hammer has a handle made from the branches of the world tree Idrazil. The weapon possesses a new power. When thrown across the ten realms, it carries the voice of the king of Asgard so he can address his subjects across the universe. And finally, Mjolnir has a slightly different enchantment. Now, although it reads, whoever lifts this hammer, if they are worthy, shall possess the power of the god of thunder, the enchantment seems to be playing by other rules, as Thor is finding the hammer heavier to lift, and Loki finds the hammer easy to pick up. Ooh. Okay, wow, this is interesting. All right. (laughs) Interesting. I I got a question. So, Mike, are you uh, trying to sell us on this? Go ahead. So when they changed the enchantment from he to she, was just like just a, a, a switch that they flipped, where it's like you know like an on and off one. Was nope. It, Literally, it was written onto the the uh, the hammer itself. Was was right. there a middle one for like day or non-binary? Nope. <laughs> Frigga knows two things. <laughs> Shout out, she? happy pride, happy pride, happy pride. Yep. She knows she. And that all men are idiots. <laughs> She's quite aware of. We, we, we didn't need a hammer for that. We knew that. Alrighty. Anything Tim else? Drake's new code name is... You know what? I'm going to get back to that. And he was Robin. He was Red Robin. And now... Right. I, I still can't tell you right now. Flashes of red, green, and yellow signify Batman's sidekick is kicking your butt up and down the mean streets of Gotham. Now, going for his own fashion in brown, yellow, and gray... Tim Drake now looks like country gravy in a skillet. And with a new look, <laughs> inevitably comes a new code name. Now, make sure it hides your identity and won't lead back to Batman and his associates. But above all, make certain the code name strikes terror in your enemy even before you make an entrance. Now, adhering to none of these ideals, Tim Drake is now <laughs> Drake. And yes, that is Stop. also the correct term for a male duck. Yep. Stop. Yeah, now he has an ugly now costume mad. and a stupid name. <laughs> does he have Drake. a bill on his on his like? Does he have he like should. a mask with like a, a duck bill? <laughs> yeah. And last but not least, uh-huh. Young Justice no more. In the comics, Young Justice began with Robin, Superboy, and Impulse before adding Wonder Girl. But with the new generation of readers comes new additions to the group. So along with the original Fab Four heroes, please welcome Amethyst, Teen Lantern, Ginny Hex, the Wonder Twins, Dial H for Hero, Naomi, Aqualad, Spoiler, Arrowette, and Sideways. But you can't expand your membership without expanding your brand. And since no one knows name branding better than their leader, Drake, Young Justice has become... (laughs) Young Justice League. No. Yep. Wow. 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 <laughs> you and, and you're not shitting me on this one. Nope. Wow. DC's really reaching, huh? Yep. <laughs> and that's all your quick news. That is all my quick news. Wow. I hope to have annoyed many, many listeners out there just as much as I was annoyed in researching all of this. I don't know if any of the listeners do what I do, but when Mike tells me to do something, I try to do the opposite. Like Mike's like, I'm gonna get get listeners mad. I'm like, fuck you, Mike. I'm gonna fucking do what I want. And then by the end, I'm like, I'm fucking mad. (laughs) So I'm I'm looking at Tim Drake's new costume. Mm -hmm. It makes no fucking sense with his code name. Like, he has a bat symbol on his belt, and his name is Drake. Yeah, well, there you go. (laughs) Ralph, do you have any quick... He's just as much an idiot as the real Drake. Here's... Here's my secret identity. Wow. Here's, here's uh, what's my code name? Drake. Okay, what's my secret identity? Tim Drake. Okay. Hey world, I am Drake. Hey, have you guys seen Tim Drake and Drake in the same place at the same time? Well, at oh first, probably God. all the villains are just going to go beat up the singer. <laughs> <laughs> 
What is with you and Drake, Mike? You don't he want him on the show the bottom, either? Now he's here. No, I would never uh. want him on the show. <laughs> Speak for yourself. I, I, I'm not saying I'm a Drake fan, but I wouldn't mind him. Him and Eva Mendes, please come on the show. Caps invite. Come on. I would actually <laughs> rather have a male duck sitting on in a pool of water next to me than the real Drake. Wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we got no more quick news. Good job, Mike. Let's go into the main part of the show, and we're gonna talk about Ready Player One, and with a synopsis is the guy who just spoke. MFG, Mike, the finance guy. Please bring some class and culture to us, Mike. Please. I do that just by being here. Oh, Alrighty. <laughs> Ready Player One is a big-budget adaptation of Ernest Klein's debut novel of the same name. The film was directed by Steven Spielberg from a screenplay by Zach Penn and Ernest Klein. Budgeted at $175 million plus $150 million in ad costs, the movie grossed $138 million domestic with an additional $445 million international. Uh, Ready Player One has a Rotten Tomatoes rating of 72% with audience score of 77 and a Metacritic score of 64 out of 100 with audience of 73 out of 100. Interesting. Yeah. Alrighty, synopsis, here we go. The year is 2045. Just about everyone knows 1970s and 80s pop culture, but fails to realize that they are living in an adaptation of 1964's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. A white knight not from King Arthur's court searches for his holy grail in the form of a digital egg that can be used to save humanity from itself while still making him a trillionaire. For fear that somebody could forget he was heterosexual in less than 10 minutes, our hero immediately falls madly in love with a pink avatar of a woman he has never met in real life. Together with a closeted lesbian and two Asian guys that, guess what, no karate, the high five <laughs> search for the keys that will lead them to ultimate victory while avoiding the corporate baddies that want to control the world. Care Bear, Cabbage Patch Kids, Atari, a key is one. Transformers, Tab, Soda, Donkey Kong, another key, a key is discovered. Madonna, Different Strokes, Robocop, a third key. <laughs> Armed with all three keys and more 80s trivia than any kids born in 2026 should ever possess, they are going to fight for everyone's right to party and play in virtual worlds while humanity falls apart around them. <laughs> all right, it's starring Ty Sheraton as Wade Watts Parzival, Olivia Cook as Samantha Cook. That's kind of weird. Uh, and, and Artemis. Ben Mendenhall as Nolan Sorrento. Lena Waithe as H. TJ Miller as IROC. Simon Pegg as Ogden Morrow and the Curator. Mark Rylance as James Halliday and Anna Rock, the All Knowing. Uh, Philip Zhao as Sho. And Wynn Morisaki as Daito. All right. So let's get into it. Ready Player One. But first, before we trash it or cheer it, let's press that spoiler button that we paid so much money for. Warning, the following segment contains information that may ruin your enjoyment of the media in review. So if you believe this might upset you, piss off, you wanker. Do you think Steve Francis would actually watch this? Uh, no. Hmm. Probably not. <laughs> Well, nevertheless, that spoiler warning <laughs> was brought to you by Steve Francis, who wouldn't watch it, of Stush Productions. Stush! Big shoulder blades and stush. Stush, 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 stush. See, I did one. Okay, there we go. Stush, 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 Okay, okay. All right. So, uh, a little side note before we get into any of the reviewing. Um, this is Ralph's um, baby. I'll say, because I remember when the book was out, Ralph was talking about the, that, you know, they were adapting it to a movie and Ralph was excited. So I know that Ralph holds this very highly 
you know, in regard. You know, like he, he has very high regard for this movie. Correct, Ralph? I, I enjoy the movie. Yes, that is quite true. Wow, okay. that's, that really took down a lot of pegs out of what you had to say there, Kev. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> he like the, the clown this, this book was written on. Is that right, Ralph? It was all right. I liked it. <laughs> Mike, Mike, you, right. you can't let the cat be right all the time, you know? <laughs> that's all right. I feel Try. bad if you really liked it that much anyway. Wow. Okay, let's get into it. How do we feel about this movie? I mean, overall, you know, did did you know what do we like about the movie? Because I know that, like Mike said, there's a lot of '80s reference, and it's funny because I was watching the movie and I was trying to figure out if it's '80s and maybe early '90s references. Because I really, like, it's a lot of '70s and then '80s, and I'm sure they touch on '90s, but it's mostly yeah, '70s and '80s. Because because Gundam, I mean, Gundam is '80s in the in Japan, but '90s in. America yeah. and Iron Giant is '90s in America. I mean, well, it's '90s period because it was it was uh, an American-made film. Um, but yeah, so I mean, we're, how were you know what do we like most about this movie? And then we'll go to shooting it down. We're shooting it down. Holy hell! Why, well, why are you going straight I, to there, man? Like because on. I know I, like, what I, I know what Ralph's gonna do, and I know what Mike's gonna do. It's what our podcast is. Um, oh, and by the way, uh, Iron Giant is—it uh, was written in 1968. Yeah, but the, but the movie—that's the animated but, movie. Yeah, but I'm just saying that would have nothing to do with them being 90s. Yeah, their pop culture would still be referencing things from the 80s and earlier. I don't think so. Anyway, Ooh, so well, he told you. Well, it's nice that he doesn't think so, but it was. Well, because because the image of the Iron Giant was not. Did anybody know that before that? No. Well, the people that made the Iron Giant did because they made the Iron Giant. <laughs> and, and, when, and when did the Iron Giant come out? Can somebody tell me? Um, you just told you. You, what, the movie itself? The movie itself. Um, I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> I can look it up in a second. I know it's a, it felt like a Don Bluth film. But I don't want to get too caught up on that. Not, what was that? 99. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, but, you, but the Iron Giant the is animated. from 1968. Yeah. And the illustration is from 85. Is it from 85? The illustration. The illustration. <laughs> this thing has existed for like 50 years. That's what I'm trying to tell you. All right. All right. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Cap before you start talking. Shush. Okay. <laughs> hey, I've been wrong before, but see, that's why, that's why I'm good at my job. I throw myself out there to get beat up like this movie's about to do right now. Uh, <laughs> so, okay. Let's start with you, Ralph, lover of, of um, Ready Player One. What do you love about this movie so much? Um the fact that it's mostly true to the book okay okay um, visually it was just phenomenal like the like spielberg did his thing with giving us this vibrant world it's it's a virtual world and he did it justice like he to just to see he probably said to to um the designers like all right so you know when someone has has told you don't put all your wild and crazy theories and imagination. I want you to do the opposite. Just go nuts. Give me everything you got. Show it to me. That's what it looked like. And I loved it. You know, it it, it is beautiful. I mean, I I can't say so much that he told them to use their imagination since he's using all of everyone else's property. Yeah, no, but like, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not belittling the movie. I'm just saying that it's not like the imagination is on their part. They just really just recycled things that were already out there. But well, the, nonetheless, the, they, they put them together well. Yeah, the, the, the design of the, like the, the virtual, not the characters themselves, but just like the virtual world that he put together. <laughs> in, in the book is a, is a little bit different. But because um, when I was reading it, 
I had my own idea of how the world would look. Right. Mm-hmm. But Spielberg's version is a, a very good. Uh, it's a very, it's a nice breath of fresh air, I would say. Okay. It's it's, nice. it's good. Okay. Yeah. No, it's like I said, it is. I mean, it's very it's very beautiful to look at. Um, you know, it's it's. I was disappointed in the sense though that when you saw the trailer, they really zoomed in on like the the characters from um, the eighties and stuff like that yeah. and stuff. Whereas in the movie, they didn't very much. So like it, it kind of lost a little bit of its its eighties relevance. It just became a mosh of CGI, but nonetheless, okay. it was still really it was really well put together. And like you said, the worlds themselves were just beautiful. I mean, that kind of stuff worked very well. I thought it was really um, it was very well thought out that way. You know, I mean, whether I don't again, I haven't read the book, so I can't say how much was his input versus the books. But I definitely love the look of the movie. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I love the look as well. I'll say this. The soundtrack is something that um, I always enjoy. <laughs> I, I'm yeah. just a big 80s soundtrack guy. You know, I mean, um, or you, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy was more 70s and 80s. But, you know, but I like those retro, um, those retro soundtracks that fit the movie so well. And I, I, I just enjoy, I enjoy AHA. I enjoy Hall of Notes. I enjoy, I mean, um, Duran Duran. All those things were, you know, Nostalgic, but I'm wondering if that somehow clouded some people's opinion about what this movie was about, or if they really liked the movie, or if it just rode high on just nostalgia. Well, like I said, for me, the nostalgia was just—it was just name dropping. It wasn't relevant to anything. It was just—it feels like a movie. It feels like the book should have been written in the '80s. In fact, instead of being written in 2011, because it's—it's. <laughs> it's, it's just so weird that it, it's so overloaded in the movie. And again, I can't speak if the book mentioned like all of these brand names and if it did it a lot, I don't know. Um, but say, Rob? Well, so the, the reason why, so the, so James Halliday was the guy who created the, the Oasis. Right. And right. because of the popularity of the Oasis and because of the contest, is the reason why everybody's obsessed with the '80s because he loved the '80s. So that's why it's it's whole it's, it's like that. But the main reason why the story is like that is because the author Ernest Klein, he is like super in love with the '80s. I, if I'm not mistaken, I, I believe he even has a, a DeLorean. If I'm not mistaken, oh, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, for me, it just. It's like anything. It's like it was like to me when uh, if anybody ever listened to our um, or has listened to I should say our review of Picard. It's kind of like the same thing, um, just not as exaggerated as Picard since that's hundreds of years into the future. It's like <laughs> this is a future, and you're telling me that you have no pop culture of your own. Like it's, and again, like I, I definitely get it, and I, and I got it even with the movie that it's a lot of it is because these people are you know obsessed with winning this thing, you know da 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 da, and they're researching this guy's past, but it's just still it. It just feels lazy. I mean, like, like, you know, tell me what was what was the big dance craze of two thousand and four? Two thousand four? No, yeah, I, no, exactly, exactly. And that was sixteen years ago. You know, what was the dance craze five years ago? Main one. Who cares? Exactly. And that's kind <laughs> of my whole point is that like, you know, this this thing with the eighties, it's, it's beyond like knowledge. I mean, like, like the kid is supposed to be well, he's how old? He was born in twenty six, so he's forty five. So he's what nineteen. Like, you know, like, it's like, did you study anything? <laughs> like, like, did you learn anything? Else? Like, you, you, he's like, he's, he's researched this guy to the point that I'm just like, does anyone have any other, 
life, you nope. know. And, and I mean, and again, it's really weird because that's not really brought up as a main part of the movie. And in fact, it's glossed over to a point that I'm like, is it supposed to be a thing that we're supposed to be realizing that it's not even just at the end, which I'm not really telling the end, but like the very end point where he's like, you know, you deserve to like to enjoy life, basically, not just being this video game. But it's like it's right. beyond just that. They, they have just let all of society go. So, <laughs> you know, but it's not just saying that the game did it, but it definitely seems to have been the big push. And but yet they're blaming IOI, which is the bad guys in this for a lot of the, the world state. And I'm like, no, it's Oasis's fault of the world state, you know? Well, actually, so this is the one of the problems with, with the movie is that it doesn't explain the actual state of the world. The book does right. a better job of explaining how there's been wars and famine and, you know, uh, global warming and stuff like that. And people, he they say the line um, <clears throat> at the very beginning where he goes, most people have stop trying to fix the world's problems right. and are just trying to outlive them. Right. So they, they say that in the book as well. It's just that the, that the Oasis is, is an escape to try right. to just get as much as you can out of life while you can because the, right. the, the world around them is crashing around. And that's, right. one, and of that, the, that's one of the I'm bad sorry. things that the movie doesn't really explain. Yeah, and exactly. Okay. And that's one thing I didn't enjoy about the movie. It's not that, again, it had to be in-depth about that, but it's just even our lesson at the end was really just for like, take a couple of days off and, you know, smell the flowers for a bit. But, you know, don't worry about fixing the world at all because the other five days you're going to be back in Oasis. And it's like, I, I mean, like, and but that was our happy ending. And I'm like, hmm, I, I think the world's really, I mean, because at one point you even saw like how badly people are obsessed with Oasis, which has nothing to do with the IOI guys who are, again, the bad guys. They are the ultimate evil in this thing but they're just a symptom of the evil which is the oasis in my opinion because you even had that one scene in the movie we're talking about of course where mm -hmm. this woman is dealing with her um her avatar character and her what what was it six or eight year old kid yeah. is in this is in the yeah. is a fire, fire raging in the kitchen <laughs> yeah. i mean yes it's comedic offense but like that means that they're literally just abandoning their kids like to this this world and i'm like that's a deep thing that you've just glossed over to the point that you ignored in this movie. That, yeah. That's huge. It, <laughs> in, the, uh, um, in the book, they explain how um, like everybody can get one of those goggles. The mm -hmm. kids, all schools are mostly all virtual being okay. done. So kids can get goggles. The government gives them those goggles so they can go to class and learn online virtually. Which is well, another thing like also now. that, the, that the, the movie doesn't give us an explanation of. Like, even that would have been a great line or two to have in there. Just because it's like you're watching this slum-type environment that these people are living in it's with funny. exceedingly levels of modern technology that you're like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like the fact that – I'm sorry. I um, just want to finish this one thought. Like to the fact that like he's living in the stacks, which like I said, it looks like this project-type slum. But yet he has his own van hooked up in his own spot. With all of his equipment that evidently no one's going to steal, I guess. You know? Well, no, because it's, 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 it, see, the, the movie doesn't do a good job ex of explaining that either. So his van is hidden under a pile of other cars. So it's, it's like, it's really well hidden. He had to, in the book, they explain it that he was like, uh, one day he was just like searching through the, the stacks of, of cars and he finds his way into that. To that van and he turned it into a sort of like hideaway right which the movie doesn't gloss into which of course since we're reviewing the movie leads yeah. it to the fall of the movie because he just walks into that van it's not hidden anywhere yeah. <laughs> you know well, no, if you see if you if you remember him climbing onto a, like a, a 
a pile of cars and then going in. Right. That's that's technically that's, that's inside. The hidden? Yeah, that's where he goes inside, and then there's like a void. It's like a cave of of cars, a cave a cave made out of the cars. And then that's oh, because every time they opened the door, it just looked like it was bright daylight right behind him. Like every time they opened the door from the perspective of the van, you know. Uh, but anyhow, but anyhow, that's what I'm saying. Like it was just these like these kind of things, which obviously you expect the book is going to delve into that the movie didn't. And yeah. and you know it's not it's surprising slash not surprising sometimes with Spielberg because you know he sometimes will you know put more fluff than substance. Yeah. You know, depending on the type of film he's going to do, especially if it's going to be a little bit more family oriented. But this one, I just felt he did a lot more. Like it was a, it was very much cotton candy heart. But I'm like, I need a little bit something more with this meal right now. You know, I was. It's funny that Mike says that. I mean, I don't have a problem with cotton candy heart because I feel like sometimes you just need to get away. Yeah. And sometimes you, you know you don't, you don't want to think too deep into anything. You just want to watch something, and it felt like that, which yeah. has its pros and cons. I mean, right. you know, I'm not saying that it's perfect. I'm saying like you know, after a stressful day of you know going to the, going to Target, wearing my mask, and you know buying hand sanitizer and fighting with the other woman about you know um, a paper towel, what I want to watch, you know, what I want to watch is something very easy and kind of just throw it in front of me. So he is good at that because if you think about other Spielberg's other movies or his other eighty movies. Well, let me see. Goonies, um, well, not, not Jaws, <laughs> um, but I mean, th- th- there's a couple of movies that he does really well with the whole with the whole popcorn thing. Mm-hmm. But Mike's right. Something when you start thinking about the problem, you're like, well, well, yeah, well, what would happen if this and this? And, and well, like I said, I don't. It's not about not enjoying the cotton candy part. It's just like I said. It's just it it needed some legs just to stabilize the story. It didn't have right. to go into it. Like I said, if he if if while they narrated that beginning, which was you know it was a great lead in. It's like if they had just continued with a little bit more narration, like, you know, like, you know, all the school kids are now working virtually. And, you know, it's just something like that, like just a little bit more information. You'd go, oh, OK, at least kind of see where society is right now, though. It's it's are you just not sending your kids to school because we don't see we don't hear about school, okay. <laughs> you know, and we see young people playing these games. So we're like, is anyone learning? Has, has society <laughs> literally just jumped off the cliff at this point? You know, when we um, get towards the end, I'll. I'll... I'll tell you guys the key differences between the book and the movie. Okay. okay. Now, let me ask you this. before I wanted to go into the characters, but Mike said something about society, and it's triggered a question in me. Um, we talk about society, and we talk about you know its effect on society, and this movie, Mike mentioned in the synopsis, kind of comes across like um, um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Now, I also equated it to Avatar and Matrix with the whole plugging into a world and plugging out, you know, and, like, and disconnecting and all those kind of things. But with either movie using that as a reference, did that, did that particular um, reference to other movies distract you from the movie, the movie you were watching? No, no, no not really. No, I mean, I, I mean, a lot of movies are similar to others. I mean, like I said, this one was very much Willy Wonka in the sense that there's a game. Yeah. Everybody's looking for a magic ticket. At the end, the kid that won the magic ticket wins the prize, you know, and he's going to uh, have the reins to move forward to take this thing into the future. You know, it's, it's literally right. Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory just without candy. Because okay. I've got the golden ticket. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've got the golden ticket. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. Um, what do you guys think about that race, though? The race was fun. It was it was definitely yes. a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, it, like I said, but like from again, I was just didn't look back at the trailer, but just thinking about the trailer, I just wanted to see more of the car. Like 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 again, like the trailer just made you feel like you were going to get like this 
like in-depth feel of all of these 80 icon things and it was just like oh i mean yeah there's the batmobile and stuff i mean you know 60s thing, but like it just didn't give it to me enough yeah. but the, the race itself was wonderful i think it was just because because like what mike said it was all a blur where yeah. you know where, where you know you if you caught certain instances i, I told you guys pre-podcast i watched it again to catch all the different references yeah. that were there and it just goes by you it's almost like um, um, Joey, shout out to Joey the intern, talks about when we were kids, we used to watch Hot Shots, the movie. Remember mm -hmm. Hot Shots? Yeah, Hot Shots Hot Shot, no, the first one. No, no, he no, talked no, about no, the yeah. first one, he goes, you know, and the part two was okay. But um, <laughs> Hot Shots, he talked about that the jokes move so fast, if you laugh too loud, you'd miss another joke. Yep. Yeah. I felt like the references for the 80s was like that too. If you were like so wowed by one moment, you missed another reference. Oh, yeah. When I tell you that um, the movie doesn't even have a third of the 80s references that the book does. I would imagine. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, well, don't forget, too, they'd have to for, to put that in the theater. They would have to get a lot of yeah, licensing. That's, that's <laughs> why when I saw the trailer that they were making this movie, I'm like, oh, God, I really wish they could use everything that they that that was in the book. Yeah. Because yeah, just, yeah. just to see that brought to life, it would have been great. Oh, yeah. They're, they're references. I love. I mean, like they they. Basically, yeah. If you want to be generous, you can say they broke even on this film. They really barely did it all. Yeah. So, like, if they had added any more to it, they would never have broken even on this film. I, I think um, the, so. I definitely the most understand that. Was on the licensing, probably so. Um, you know, I, I like I said, I definitely enjoyed it. I did not like it. It was. I thought the the whole solving the riddles. It was too ten year old. It, it, it just was too juvenile because it was like, like again, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying watching what's going on, but when you're listening to this, like, oh, he means go backwards. Like, well, he could reference that. That could be a reference to any clue. It's like, like, it's like somehow the thing you happen to be looking for happened to be the answer to the clue you happen to be going at. at. And I'm like, yeah, that's not how riddles would work, really, unless you were told to look at something for the answer, you know? So it was just one of those where it was just like, of course you're going to get it because you just happened to pull up this one thing and he happens to say one thing and you apply it to this and it works for that one thing. Yeah. But it was I'm, all I'm, like that and it drove me crazy. I'm like, ah. Really? See, see, for me, I apply HNP to it. I had no problem. I was totally <laughs> like, okay, take me on this journey. So... Um, I didn't really have too much of a problem with that because in the book, when they find the so, um, when Wade <laughs> finds the first key, right, right, um, it you unlock the gate and then there's another challenge, and then another challenge. So it right. takes them like three. There's no riddle or anything, but there might have been to for to find the next key is when you get right. the riddle. But it's like two more challenges before you can even get the riddle. To get right. there, so right. I was I, I mean, was kind of glad which that makes they, more sense. They they spread it up a little bit, and right. the, but the riddles in the book were a little bit tougher. They were right again. It's not that it had to be hard. It's just that, like I said, it was just if you had given me a place to look for a clue, I'm fine. It's just like I said, it's just one of those things of like if I was you know like like when you watch something like um, National Treasure or if you watch like a you know well Indiana Jones doesn't usually do it, but like it would be as if like if you gave me. A, a riddle of something that was written a thousand years ago and I just happened to be looking at like 
I don't know, a Mars bar commercial. And I'd be like, but wait a second, that Mars bar has an image of so-and-so. And that's just <laughs> like this. You know, you'd be like, well, this is unrelated at this point, you know, because literally all the clues were through the guy's entire lifespan, you know. And I'm like, yeah. But again, like I said, I know it's in fun, but like, I just think they could have been more clever of moving it along as opposed to the way they did it. Yeah. Okay. In, go ahead, Ralph. Um, in the... Uh... In the book, the you know how you have in the movie you have Halliday's journal, mm-hmm. like the, it's like the the whole big building with the virtual thing, that right. doesn't exist in the books. In the book they have it's it's just like a, it's a it's a compendium um, called Arnox. I think it's like uh, I forget the name of it, but something Arnox based off of Halliday's avatar, okay. and it's, and it's just like a a, a file, that's um, put together with. That people have put together essentially like a big Wikipedia okay. of everything. That that's where, that's what he actually uses to figure out the clue of where the first key is. And I'll tell you at the end how how that part is. Very cool. All right. Um, how do we feel about our protagonist and, and and our group of heroes? It felt like that that their whole point was we're gonna throw a curveball to every you know to every single character that you have. Oh, you thought this character was a guy? Guess again, it's a girl. You thought this person was was a kick-ass fighter? Guess again, they're they're 14 years old or 10 years old or whatever it was. But they're Asians and kick-ass fighters, so Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's that. That's <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yes, it's pretty true <laughs> you know. to the book though. Yeah. Um except they were both Japanese in the book and they decided to go with Japan and and China here. I don't know what the difference would have been, but I think that's marketing for the movie. Uh, yeah, especially well, the characters. The, be, the character hmm? uh, Daito and Show in the movie were also Japanese. No, Show is Chinese. No, he's his both. name is his name is Zhao, which is Chinese. That's not a Japanese name. I don't care what you're saying. I'm oh, telling I fl- you, flat out. If movie, you in it, no, he's Chinese in the movie. Trust me, because it even brothers, says in the description they're both Japanese. This, this, in the movie, the they're brothers. Cap- this is, this is where Cap's pulling executive decision and saying, "Let's keep moving," because, <laughs> like, but it was, but it wasn't. Oh, look it up! And twenty minutes, people are like, "Really?" Yeah, but, but okay, like, we'll, but yeah, the name's we'll, out. We'll, is Chinese, but but, yes. but I'll say this: I mean, if if it was Chinese, it would be a smart marketing move because well, it, we know it is marketing. China has one of the one of the yeah. biggest markets, you know. You yeah, know, that's why they did that purely for marketing, one hundred percent, right now. But I'll say this: um, How do we feel about our protagonists, though? Um, protagonists. I mean, I, mean, he was, I mean, he was fine. You know, they they did the, the usual, um, especially for Spielberg, but then again, also for uh, these young love movies, it, he did all the usual stuff. It's he can't talk right when he sees a girl because somehow in 19 years he's never ever ever met a woman. Um, you know, oh, come uh, on, oh come on, Mike. Really, Mike? Uh, that that's normal. Yeah. That, I know. I know plenty uh, of people. Please, um, listeners, if you agree with me, please shout this out. Have, I mean, not saying that everybody's like this, but if there's, you know, are there people in their twenties who act like they've never spoken to anybody before when they like somebody? It's it's, that, it's something that we've seen before. We I, I we we, we, we no, my point is we see it all the time in these movies. It never ever changes to the point that it's like I said, it's it's a non thinker Like even H was bringing up the H was bringing up the points because of the fact that it was such a trope. Because he's like, you don't know anything about the girl. You don't even know if she's a spy. You don't know if that's even a girl. Like, like in other yeah. words, like even H had to tell the had to tell the character what the audience itself is already thinking, thinking because we're tired of this trope. <laughs> you know, like it's old. <laughs> you know, so like when your character's telling you this, it's like, 
yeah, then maybe you should just have left it out of the film. <laughs> I just, I just <laughs> you know? feel like the, uh, there's certain tropes that, that, that are ageless. There are some tropes that are just, you know, no matter how many times you use it, yes, it might be old because we've seen it 5,000 times, but it's something that's true even to this day. There's a reason why they're a trope because it still happens to this day. You know, there's still people fumbling over their words, you know, and, and, and making dumb decisions because they're interested in, you know, whoever they're interested in. Yeah, but it also, it just gets into more than that once it becomes film because, it, it like I said, it's, it spills this heterocentric philosophy. It, it just gives that's you... True. It's just, no, it's that's just, true. It just beats it all into the head repeatedly. You know, boys lose all sense around women. Women are always smarter. Um, it's, you know, like her looks. I, like, that got me with like... You know, I'm I'm horribly disfigured. You mean that birthmark that basically can't be seen in most lighting? If you just bought a light, a light makeup base, really, you'd have no problem. <laughs> like, it was just one of these little things. Like, oh, I'm hideous. No, not really. You're just fine, lady. Get over. And this is why Mike wasn't weighed. Mike would have been like, "That's it. Come on, what the fuck? Get over. It. Let's move." And, and then, like, I like the fact that credits, in her credits. her avatar, she puts the mark on her avatar, and I'm like. You were already a fee, a pink feline character. I don't really think that that proved that you were <laughs> feeling self sure about yourself. If you're feeling sure about yourself, you'd have an average body <laughs> and walk around in regular clothes, you know. Um, but it's just one of those funny things with that. Uh, I did want to bring up one question, a thing that like uh, Ralph, if, I don't, I mean, it's a, it's a minor thing, but I thought it was funny that uh, in the book, the place that uh, Wade lives is in, it's in Oklahoma City. Yep. But it's Cincinnati, Ohio in the movie. It's no, Columbus, Columbus Ohio. Ohio. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sister. Columbus, Columbus Ohio. Ohio in the movie. Do we know why, though? Why it's different in the movie than it is in the book? Yep. Because they didn't want to sh have to show the uh, the time. Because uh, when the way that they ended the movie where he drives into the stacks, it wouldn't make sense if, if he was driving back into the stacks in Oklahoma City from Columbus, Ohio. No, that, it, that part it's because it's because it's because Steven Spielberg is from Columbus, Ohio. It's Ohio. There's no other reason it. for that. <laughs> it's just, well, I mean, it's just Steven King and Spielberg. The, the Columbus part is in the book. But I'm just saying, but like he's from Columbus, Ohio, which is why it takes place there. You know, anyway. All right. I just thought it was a little funny thing. I was just like, I'm like, I right, go ahead, Steven. He loves his, his thing. And also, by the way, too, um, and this is something I found out when I was looking up some different stuff, uh, Anorak, the character that is the, uh, the Avatar name of Halliday, who right. um, Oasis, that's actually British slang for an obsessive geek. Really? Yeah. I didn't yeah. know. Oh, well, so, so we're a bunch of Anoraks, aren't we? <laughs> okay. Well, I, I, you, you learn something new every day. Let me ask you this. Which of the references that, you, that they used was your favorite visual reference that they used in the movie. Your favorite 80s reference. And they, they threw a lot. I mean, they threw Chucky. They had Gundam. They had the, the Terminator 2 thumbs up from Iron Giant. Pretty fucking funny. Um, you know, they had the Mecha Godzilla. They had, I mean, the Shining scene, which, you know, if anybody knows this podcast, the cap, <laughs> that's me. Hates horror. But I even know the Shining scene. So what was your favorite reference that they used and how they used it um i think mine was probably it's a split between uh the gundam um I figured the the serenity from firefly coming in i don't know if you remember seeing that mike yeah and then um uh, uh way dressing up as buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> Has anybody seen Buckaroo Banzai? By the way, I've yes. never seen yeah. it. I yeah, have. It is. Yeah. It is how, if you watch it now, you're like, 
this is it. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't hold up at all. But, but like, I'm not sure even that if you watched it back then, you probably be like, "Yo, this shit is amazing." Uh, I mean, it was it was out. it was fine then. Time out. I remember seeing it on HBO and being like, "What the fuck?" Change the channel. <laughs> yeah, but you would that have been... and Dune. That and Dune. If those two were on HBO, change that shit. But you wouldn't have been watching the original film at that time, though. Buckaroo Banzai was on HBO. Um, Buckaroo Banzai. But I'm saying you out. wouldn't have been watching it when it came out, though. You would have been too young. I mean, you would have been too young to understand it. Well, okay, I was maybe, yeah. I mean, I mean it came out in 1984, so mm-hmm. yeah, you would have so been so like, what, figure... five? No. <laughs> or, uh, I'm not no, that you old. Been... Well, thanks, Mike. <laughs> thanks, no, Mike. You been like, well, what, I'd have uh... been close. I was, I was eight. Yeah. That... <laughs> yes. Eight. You would have been too young to understand it. <laughs> you know. So you're trying to tell me I should watch it now? No, I'm telling you not to watch it now. It does not hold up at all. <laughs> uh, I'm telling you <laughs> to watch, watch it now. Forget it. Just so that you can refresh your memory of how much it doesn't hold up anymore. Yeah, okay. that's pretty much what you'll do. I mean, but... But yeah, I mean, there's there's fond memories to it, but not enough. Because um, like that's what I'm saying. Like after a while, it just felt like just jamming in references, just to jam in references. You know. Um, the, the, before you, okay, I want to hear Mike's favorite reference. I'm very interested in that. But Mike I, said I am too. Jam- <laughs> no, no, the, no. Because you said about jamming in references. Didn't right. it feel that way when? Um, Sorrento's talking and they're kind of prompting Sorrento in his ear. He talks about drinking a tab and listening to Duran and Duran. That moment felt right. like, wow, you guys are really trying to jam everything in there, aren't you? <laughs> right. And the funny part is, he's he's closer to, should have known some of these things, you know. <laughs> you know True, like, yeah. And even he's like, I don't know these things. Because he's a <laughs> poser, man. <laughs> so, Mike, what was your favorite reference that you saw? That, oh, right, all right, they used that. I... Don't really have one that's my favorite reference I could really think of. Um, I mean, seeing Mechagodzilla, I guess, was nice. Um, Especially the way Mechagodzilla just, looked. I know it looked great. Um, I don't know. I, I don't have one that just wow. really was just like, "Wow, this this really did it for me." Um, no, I don't. I don't think I have one. I can't even lie. For me, and I know that it was the main car of the fucking movie, but. I'm a big Back to the Future fan, mm-hmm. so the De- watching the DeLorean in action, <laughs> being kick-ass, not just because f- think about it, when you watch the DeLorean in the films and they're flying in, flying out. Oh, something's wrong with the fucking car. We right. gotta fucking find plutonium. You know, it was never really working well. To watch it in action, kicking ass, was like one of my favorite references. You know, even though there's a part of me that really wishes King Kong was Donkey Kong. That would have been it for me. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't go with Donkey Kong. I mean, probably the rights. Yeah, yeah, probably, right, it probably is the rights. Yeah, um, yeah, because Nintendo I mean, stingy. Kong, Nintendo is stingy. Because King Kong, I mean, you want to talk about something that's like way back. Yeah, in the day, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't have argued with you there, Mike. The, <laughs> the 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 whole race thing actually it wasn't even in the book though. Really, the, the first challenge was different. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. It was never yeah. the race at all though. Like ever ne- in the book? Never, never in oh, the book. Interesting. The, in the book to get the first key it was so i guess i, I can say this so in yes. the in the book um travel isn't as as free as it is in the movie you okay. actually like if you want to um when you start in the oasis you start on a starter planet and you can only leave it is if you have enough credits to go somewhere else either via portal or if you have like a spaceship or something right? right well didn't he say that kind of in the beginning as well i thought he was trying to allude to that but then it seemed like they ignored that right afterwards or something like that well it was more like um you can do anything you wanted if you have enough credits but apparently travel in this one is, is more is more oh, free okay. um so wade is stuck on the starter planet or the school planet there's a whole bunch of different school planets and 
the key is actually on one of the school planets that he's he's on and to get to the key is is a an actual recreation of a dungeons and dragons maze oh Oh, okay so he has to go through the dungeons and dragons maze um defeat all the challenges and then once he gets to um the gate to he opens up the the gate and goes inside and then he has to play a game of joust against a, a oh, wizard. Oh, that's right. I, I did read something about that. I hate it, Joust. I, I love the look of the game. I cannot play that game at all. <laughs> First level, <laughs> after that, I'm dead. Second level. So then, it, 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 in the book, it's a little bit more dramatic because, so then, because once he gets um, the first key, then he gets that 100,000 credits. And then he gets his name and he becomes instantly famous overnight but just his his um his avatar name. Right. So that's, that's after that is when he's able to um, leave the, the the school planet and, and, and branch out, but then um, he makes money by essentially doing like Twitch uh, streams and getting okay. sponsors, so that way he can keep um, making money and 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 and, um, and searching for the other two keys. And there's a lot of time between when they find the first key and the second key. And right. then w- one of the 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 things that the movie does really badly is the fact that. Um, Artemis and him, the, like their relationship seems to be like spontaneous, kind of almost. Right. In the book, it, it's a like it makes more sense in the book because that thing takes a long time. Yeah, takes, from what I from what I remember reading is like something like th- like he doesn't even meet her until the end yeah. of the book, right? Yeah, he doesn't. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, he which doesn't is a natural progression. Everything you know? is over. Right. Until yeah. So I mean, which is the, which is the much natural progression to everything. And also, I read that uh, that it was much more of a group activity uh as opposed to like oh it's all about percival you so, know and, and and a little bit of artemis you know so h's h's <laughs> clubhouse is mm-hmm. actually more of a chat room that was designed to look like a uh like any 80s basement you could think okay of. so and basically basically think of uh stranger things yeah pretty much uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what it was that was the clubhouse <laughs> where they would they would um you know, send messages to each other about like different theories that they would have, and, and just you know t- talk shit. So that's right. where, and then Irock isn't actually a big character in the book. Yeah, I was about to say. I know oh, Irock really? is supposedly very minor and is more of a combo. But interesting too, H in the book is a white, a heterosexual male, as the character I'm talking about, the uh, avatar. Avatar, yeah. Yeah, the avatar. Which is interesting that they made that change, and probably for the wisest in today's uh, right, in, yeah, in today's world. But it's just interesting nonetheless because again, the book's not that old. It's you know mm-hmm. the book itself is only nine years old. This movie was what from twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen? I think this movie's from twenty eighteen. Yeah, was twenty eighteen. I think twenty eighteen. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so I mean, it was only seven years after the book, but nonetheless, they were like, yeah, probably not. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. All right, um, gentlemen, is there anything else we want to mention before we go into renaming the movie and ratings? That final battle. Come on. Yeah. Oh, the, the final battle. Yeah. Come oh, on. Oh, the final battle was. I mean, it was. It was it definitely was great, a lot. Right? A lot of fun. You know, it just. You know, just seeing how they were tossing things together. Um, I I found the movie failed mostly in trying to integrate what was going on between the worlds because I I think the real okay. life portion was weaker. Yeah. It was a very standard like they're the bad guys. It, it felt like like if you if it, it felt like Disney like escaped to which mountain <laughs> like we're the bad guys and you know why we're bad? I mean, you know how we you know that you don't like us cuz we're bad. Yeah. And we're bad because we're bad, you know. And and we're doing <laughs> bad stuff like like IOI. I'm like cuz at first it took me a while in the movie. I'm like, "Oh, so they're like the 
police of the i'm like oh no they're no. just a business i mean i mean i know but i'm just saying but when you watch them running around freely with guns arresting people <laughs> and i'm like they're just a corporation <laughs> like like how does this work exactly again there's only but so much disbelief you can go when you're like i just need to understand your story i'm not looking for realism but you're right. not explaining anything <laughs> you know wait did you say explain you can if you want to <laughs> You're welcome. That was, that was a little bit more dramatic than usual. What you got, Ralph? So, um, so the reason why IOI is is the way it is. So, the, picture IOI is essentially one massive player, right? They're they're like the whole company controls, uh, offers people. To Are we talking them, about the movie or the book? The the movie. Okay. So the, the way that it works is, so let's say you want to buy something, but you don't have enough money. The, the laws are a little it's bit different in, in this version of the future. So um, because they owe them, the people owe the company uh, credits, they are forced to work it off. And that's why it, with some like, because the company is so big, they were able to like change laws that allow them to do this sort of like indentured servitude. Right, that's what it's called. Yeah, indentured servitude. Yeah. So that's that's the reason, the main reason why they have this big force. And then the other people, the the ones that they call the Sixers, those are the ones that are there voluntarily. They're not there because they don't they owe money. They're there because like. I they, thought they, I thought they were just employees. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, they're, okay. Yeah. They're, they're like, we want to be a part of the company that's gonna find this thing, and when we do, we're gonna get bonuses type of shit. Right. So, so that's why it's, it's it's like that. And that's that's the main reason why they're able to have these loyalty centers is because they lobbied and had the laws changed, but they don't really explain that in the in the movie. What do you mean really? I don't explain it at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, they just go around arresting people and I'm like, you have them chained up. I'm like, so there's no civil liberties? I guess maybe if you put down Oasis and I don't know, wrote to your congressman, maybe this wouldn't exist. I don't know so, what to tell you at this point. <laughs> so one one of the the, the the big differences in the book that they don't really touch about in the in the movie, um, the fact that actually most of the characters are overweight because they don't really have much, much like stuff to right. to move around. And in, in the book, um, Wade actually when he leaves Oklahoma City and goes to Columbus and he gets his own apartment, he actually has like a a timed lockout where he has to do exercise in order for him to go be able to go back into the Oasis because by the end of the book he's actually lost weight and he's, he's a lot slimmer. Ah, uh, because our hero can only be skinny. And then he's <laughs> he's actually the one who infiltrates um, IOI instead of uh, Artemis. Instead of Artemis. Mm-hmm. So it's it's quite the way that Ernest Klein's write this is is quite amazing too. Because what he does is essentially um, using um, black market tools. Um, he creates a fake identity for himself, right? And he makes that fake identity uh, indebted to IOI. So then they come and they, they take him away and they have him go into IOI. But before that, um, he was he had like a job as like sort of like a janitor at IOI so that he could infiltrate with a different identity and, oh, okay. and put some like some uh, some tools. So that way, when he was arrested, he's able to hack into their system. And he's with with that hack. He That's the main reason that he's able to bring down the force field at the in the final battle because it wasn't artemis either who brought down the force field it was him with his his whole like james bond routine and then when he (laughs) when he escapes from ioi is when he meets he meets up with h right 
and then H takes them to an, uh, an airfield where Ogden Morrow has a plane that flies them to his house in Alaska. And that's there is where. Oh, my God. Yeah, it gets it gets a little bit intricate. There is when he has um, Ogden Morrow tells him, like, you know, this, you guys are going to have to have this big battle. They found the last clue. And then um, they entered, like, you know, like the seat that um, that Sorrento has. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like a pod like that that gives him more mobility. And then he's, when he looks over, he sees two other pods that are occupied. And then one of them is where Artemis is in. So that's why he, he doesn't even see her until the, the whole battle is over. Okay. Um, but the, one of the, the sad things in the book, um, Sho is actually killed in the book. Right. IOI goes after him. And that's the, the, one of the main reasons that um, they hightail it to, to Agdemaro's, um estate. Okay. And they're not even brothers. They're, uh, Sho and Daito aren't brothers in the, in the book. In the, uh, but they're not brothers in this movie. Yeah, yeah, they are. Dude, I keep telling you, one's Chinese and one's Japanese. <laughs> it's just they're, the way it is, man. I, they're Japanese in the book. They're not in this movie. We'll discuss this <laughs> off podcast. So this has been another episode of... <laughs> Ralph explains it all. You're welcome. You're, you're welcome. I fucking did that shit. <laughs> All right, all right. Um, let's. Anything else we want to mention before we get to ratings and renaming? Yes, I'm. I'm really angry that they weren't able to get the rights for Ultraman, because in the book, ah. So, so the, the um Sorrento comes out with the uh, the Mecha Godzilla, right? Because in one of the right. uh, one of the uh, the the second key challenge, when you win, you get to choose any legendary um giant robot, right? Right. So, um, Sorrento obviously gets the, the Mecha Godzilla. Um, H picks, uh, what was it? Um, the, the, what was it? So, um, Parzival picks, um, the, the Leopard, Le, Lepardion from, uh, from the Japanese version of Spider-Man. Okay. Um, oh, sorry. And then uh, Artemis picks um, the Transer uh, Z from Mazinger Z. H picks the RX-78 Gundam, which is the mech that we see in the, in the movie. Mm-hmm. And Sho picks with a, uh, a Raiding from Brave Raiding. I, I don't know which one that's from. <laughs> okay. No idea. So after, when they're fighting, there's a point where um, the, you see the, the beta capsule from Ultraman. Because okay. early, earlier in the book, uh, Percival helps Daito and Sho win this um, challenge, and the the, the the prize was the beta capsule, and he tells them was like, um, this was better to be kept in Japanese hands, which seems kind of racist, but it's not. <laughs> and he, he gives them he gives them sure. the beta capsule, and then <laughs> at the end of uh, during the final battle, uh, Daito tells um, Percival's like. I think now is the time when you should use this. So, he, so for what is it? The beta capsule is like two minutes or, or three, some sort like that. Five right. minutes maybe. He's able to turn into Ultraman, and that's how he defeats the the Mecha Godzilla. Oh, okay. okay. In the book, like it's it's really well written how they design it. And then the extra life, he in his search for the clue for the second key, he goes to this like massive arcade that that's in in the in the oasis. And he's playing um, a game of Pac-Man, and he's it's like that's like almost impossible to beat. 
and he beats it and he gets that that extra life. That's where he gets oh. the extra life from. That's the the main reason why he's he actually beats the the third uh, challenge. He survives because they actually have the cataclysm that destroys everything. For for this show, Ralph's name is no longer Ralph the Tech. Ralph's name is now Ralph. It was in the book. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I I've never seen Ralph this passionate about something. Because if I haven't, it's been a while. It's because it was it was such a good story, you know. It was a, it was a it was a nice escape when I read the book, you know. And then, nice. right, and then the, one last thing. So how the movie ends and the book ends is totally different. In the book, of course. In the book, the way it ends is um, he comes out of the pod and he sees Artemis for the first time, and you know, same thing is like, oh, you know, that's that's not so bad, you know. You're, I'm not you you're, you're beautiful, more beautiful than I thought. Blah 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 blah. They kiss, and then it ends with the line with, um, for the first time in as long as I could remember, I had absolutely no desire to log back into the Oasis. And that's where it ends. <laughs> Almost like, fuck video games. I got pussy. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. much. <laughs> All right. So let's go into it. Renaming, and this is going to be interesting. <laughs> renaming and rating. So let's go to renaming the book. I mean, renaming the book. Renaming the movie. I'll go first to give Ralph some time because he loves the movie so much. Um, I'm going to call it, take all your 80s references and put some Avatar goggles. Because that's what it felt like. <laughs> I mean, it was beautiful. But when you looked at all the human or humanoid type people, they looked very much like Avatar, especially Artemis and um, Z. So that's the way I felt. Um, Who's Z? Ralph. I'm sorry, Z. Um, um, Percival. Oh, okay. Yeah, Z. Ralph? Oh, oh, sorry. Uh, ready Player One. Anyone can be a hero, except for you, 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 because you're dead, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead. You're dead. But you can be a hero, but not you. You're dead. Mike, sounds like being a Jedi. Pretty much. I would call it Overstuffed Cultural Recycling Bin, the movie. <laughs> okay, all right. Now let's go for the big stuff. Ratings for Ready Player One. Ralph. I give Ready Player One eight. It's fucking Chucky out of ten. <laughs> that scene was hilarious. Oh my fucking god. It gave me nightmares. Um <laughs> I I'm gonna give I'm gonna give this movie seven and a half Zemeckis cubes. Out of ten, I like the fact that they got the Rubik's cube in there, but called it a Zemeckis cube. I was like, all right. And then the fact that they can go back in the time because Robert Zemeckis wrote back, you know, like directed Back to the Future. So I'm like, right. Well done, guys. Well that's done. that's actually something that's only in the movie that wasn't in the book. Hey, I still like that, yeah. <laughs> Mister. I'm in the book. <laughs> Mike, I'll give them their own '80s. I um their own '80s pop references. I give it six and a half. Where's the beef? Out of ten. Because oh it was lacking Where's meat. The beef? <laughs> it was lacking meat. Wow, okay. So there you have it. Ready player one. According to Mike, no need for a player two. But guys, don't go anywhere. Geeks on the go? That's next. Geeks on the go. Now we're more racist. More what? What? Exactly. I'm back, bitches. <laughs> 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 if you're listening to this episode for the first time, 
Ralph has been improving on his um, leadways into the Geeks on the Go. No, I feel like you guys have made me worse. <laughs> because he actually was audible and we understood what he said. But anyway. <laughs> I said now I'd... with more Oasis. All right. Ah, I thought you said something about races. I thought you said something about asses. There's wow. asses and races at the Oasis. Yeah. You racist oh, asses. Well, there, right. you go. there you go. <laughs> all right. So you guys know the segment. I give quick questions. They give quick answers on all things geek. And we have made it under a minute three times now. Three no, times. That, that last one didn't count. No, that last one didn't count. It what are you did talking not about? count. He didn't finish saying what he was saying. Oh, my God. Are you fucking serious, Ralph? <laughs> Judges. Hold on. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's right. The judges say, fuck you. You didn't make it. (laughs) Well, they sound like me, so they sound great. But let's get started. Ready, set, go. What 80s icon would you use to be your Oasis avatar, Ralph? I mean, that's kind of obvious. Raphael from the Ninja Turtles. Come on. (laughs) Okay, true, true, true. Mike? Jessica Rabbit, because according to Cap, every guy will be unable to concentrate and kill me. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. So who would win in a fight? Voltron, the Iron Giant, Gundam, or Mechagodzilla? Mike. I guess Voltron. I I don't know. Wow, that sounds so (laughs) confident. Ralph? Well, it's pretty obvious that Voltron would first destroy the Iron Giant by first confusing him, telling him that the Gundam is an enemy and that he's the friend. Then when he's not looking, he takes him out and, and then splits into the different lions and takes out Mechagodzilla. And then, of course, ruining my fucking timing. Um, is there any, is there an 80s or 90s reference that you didn't see in Ready Player One, but wish that was there? Ralph. Ultra. I'm looking at you with the only fucking glare, because that second answer was long as fuck. All you had to say was, who asked the question? Who asked the question? Yeah, but who gave the the longest answer? answer? Mike gets off scot-free again. I bust my balls all the time again. Okay, fuck it. <laughs> all right. 80s, 90s reference that wasn't there, but Wish was there. And I know Ralph's probably going to say, well, in the book, Ralph, Ultraman. Yeah. I, I really wish Ultraman was there. It would just have been cool to see see him do it. Ultraman's new, fantastic. And do his, his signature Ultra uh, beam. Because yeah, he, he, okay. does, he does it in the book. He would have to. That's, does, that's, his, that's his He power. does it in the book, man. Like, if he does it in the book, he should have done it in the movie. But no, fucking right. Okay. Okay. Mike? What's the question? Um, 80s, <laughs> 80s, 90s reference that wasn't Jessica in Ready Player Rabbit, One. No. 80s, 90s reference that, that wasn't there, but you wish was there. Uh, Mrs. Garrett from Facts of Life. Girls, oh girls. <laughs> love, I love Mrs. Garrett. Oh my gosh, she was awesome. <laughs> All right, let's go to it. Shout outs. Do we have any shout outs, ladies and gentlemen? I am shout outless. I do want to thank uh, Jose uh, A in California, I believe, for making his suggestion. And Absolutely. please encourage other people. Write to us in Facebook or on uh, Twitter, I think. Don't we have that Twittery thing? I don't know. I'm not on it. Um, or that Instagrammy <laughs> thing. I don't know what goes on with that. But uh, reach out. Write to us. Talk to us. Say hi. Make suggestions. Tell me that I'm wonderful. That's MFG is wonderful. Always my, my, trending. My, my, <laughs> <laughs> Mike sounds like the motherfucking grandfather right now. <laughs> with the Facebook and the Instagrammy. <laughs> Ralph, you got anything? Uh, no, I just want to, same as Mike, thank you, Jose, for suggesting Ready Player One. 
if it wasn't because of your suggestion, I don't think we would have ever done it. Because I suggested it when it first came out, and they were like, oh, it's okay. I don't, I don't think we should do that. I never said that. Yeah. I have written testimony of witnesses that said that you said that. Are all the witnesses you? No. <laughs> That's your answer right there. All right. Well, I'm going to chime in also and say, um, Jose A., thank you very much for for hitting us up and please everybody else please hit us up because we like to hear what you guys are interested in and what things you, um that you think that we should cover we love to hear that stuff even if the stuff that maybe we we might not do we might take a variation or an idea of what you said and give it a try so please hit us up jose a thank you very much who knows maybe by some weird chance we might actually review a comic book like we used to seven years ago yeah <laughs> troy, troy says that so shout out to troy um I got a couple of shout outs. Shout outs to um, a belated Father's Day to all the fathers. Um, um, shout out to Mike and Ralph for making my birthday, which just passed over this past weekend. Awesome. It's hard to do a, a birthday in the middle of a pandemic because everybody's nervous about how much space do you have and where you're going to be and all that stuff. So Mike, Ralph, and shout out to Crush. Um, thank you guys for, for, for coming by and making the birthday awesome. It was court ordered, but that's fine. You're welcome. Hey, fuck, hey, fuck it. But, but you were a captive audience, so that's good. Any party yeah. I go to, of course, will be awesome. Just because I'm there. Yeah, well, when yeah. you bring a big bottle of Jack like you did, I mean, shit. <laughs> Is it done yet? Did you finish it? No, but by the way, um, shout out to Big Kev who showed up later on that night and helped me get to halfway. <laughs> Only half? I figured he'd get you That's at least. a big bottle of Jack you brought. I will be sure to put it on the, on the website and be like, I'm not promoting alcohol. I'm just showing how much we drank. <laughs> I, I would have thought with Kev there, you guys would have at least gotten to like two thirds of the bottle. No, it's, it's because Kev and I do two things when we hang out on my birthday: we drink and flap our gums. So therefore, some of the some of that time of drinking is taken away when you're flapping your gums. <laughs> and also, shout out to South Carolina who's still listening. I'm so glad you're still listening. And to Tinkerbell who is still listening. I'm very surprised. Good job, Tinkerbell. You get the golden coin, which is not really a golden coin. It's just props, so you'll be okay. Um, is there anything else you want to say before we close out? Uh, no, not a damn thing. Mike, uh, Ruffy Ruff? Wait, Marky Mark is here? All right, so for MFG, Mike the Finance Guy, a.k.a. the motherfucking grandfather, and RT Square Ralph the Tech, this is The Cap saying keep it geeky. That's it, folks. <laughs>